0: Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, episode 30, Super Rugby AU Season Review. So who we are and what we do, we're two diehard rugby fans um, who have a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby, real family-friendly and positive. Get involved.
1: Get involved. You nearly forgot who we were, Mitchell.
0: I just got lost (laughs) in that there, yeah.
1: How fun, how fun.
0: It has been a massive week of rugby for us. We have a juicy, juicy episode for all of you coming up. We've actually, it's going to be so big that we're going to have to do two episodes. We've recorded over four hours of rugby chatting, (laughs) of rugby content for everyone.
1: Yeah, it's been very, very big. So why don't you kind of tell everybody why we have so much uh, content for the year?
0: Yeah, so what we're doing in this episode. So first of all, we will do some spicy news before we get into it. But we're doing a super rugby AU season review and it's not just ando and i having a chat because i mean we're waratahs fans we know that side of things pretty well but we thought we we put the the word out there and we've got some pretty good great guests that have joined us um so every episode we've we've had a guest from uh, a representative from the various super rugby um sides and they've come on and they've shared their thoughts with us around how they thought their team went what they thought were the highlights and what they'd like to see for next year. So uh, tonight's episode, we're going to look at the Force and Waratahs. And then we're going to put another episode out on Thursday with the Rebels, the Reds and the Brumbies.
1: So I'm really, really excited. We had um, Mitch Hardy, the ex-general manager of the Force, the ex wolby played with kind of Stephen Larkham in that era. Got eight caps as a winger for the Wallabies. Um, the Rebels, we have spoken with, big fan from a Dylan from Green and Gold Rugby, who has followed them for a long time, and you had a really good chat with him, Mitch. Yeah. Um, we had Mitch Evans, who has he's pretty vocal on Twitter, massive Reds fan, who is going to be having who had a chat with us about the Reds and their season. And we had Nick Wasiliev from Green God Gold Rugby as well, chat through the Brumbies season. So thank you to everybody for coming and uh, having a chat with us. We've really, really enjoyed it. There's been a lot of rugby spoken about in the last couple of nights. And we're really excited that everybody else gets to have a listen once this has reached your ears and on Thursday as well. So um, keep an ear out for the midweek pod.
0: Definitely. So, Ando, social media.
1: Yeah, social media, Instagram, hashtag, pick, underscore, drive, underscore, rugby, Facebook at the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, and you can hit us up on Twitter at pick underscore drive rugby and we really really value all the commentary and feedback that we've been getting um it's been great to be connecting with people as we've been doing these interviews and just feeling a bit more and more and more like uh that rugby fraternity that online mm. rugby community is something that uh we're growing more and more to be a part of so yeah. yeah get in touch with us we'd love to have a chat and we'll have to partner and um yeah get involved it's been fun
0: Awesome. I think that's a good intro. Let's move into the spicy news. Let's
1: go. Let's go. Straight on into it, mate. So the, where do we want to start with this? Do we want to start with Rory Arnold, Michael Checker, or the Rugby Championship? What are you feeling? Let's go with Rory Arnold. Okay cool so as we are all aware the arnold amendment was made to the Giddo law which basically meant that for 2020 only two overseas base players could be brought back for the rugby championship and basically it was really to be bringing back a lock to replace all the um, losses that we've had within our locks and rory arnold was on the field for 23 minutes for toulouse in their 28 to 18 loss to exeter in the european champions cup semi-final, and he has a fractured arm which means he's going to miss the majority of the rugby championship and if you can only get here for the last couple of games i just don't think they're going to bother calling him up at all yeah um, what's the point yeah 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 what's the Big point? news that's massive i mean it's ba- that this rule was basically made to bring him back uh so who do you bring back instead skelton coleman rotter like I don't think Rodder should be brought back because I don't think he inherently yeah. deserves it after
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't it be I wouldn't be bringing Rodder back based on the way he left super uh, yeah. Australian rugby. Um, Will Skelton's been out of the frame for a long time now. He hasn't played for the Wallabies in 5 years or something. He's been over there, so the fact to bring him back, it's just it I think it's too big a jump. Um, I would so I think I don't think that. That leaves us with Adam Coleman really as but the Adam
1: only, Coleman had injury not uh, had surgery yeah. relatively recently. I can't... I'm, I'm going to quickly look up some of the details. But he's playing for London Irish and he's he's been injured. So, yeah, I think it's pretty... I don't we know. We might not
0: have any locks to call back on. Yep. Uh, we may need to start looking at other positions. Tolu Latu might get a call up. That was what we were talking about last week. We might bring Samu Karebi back in as well. Who knows? Bernard yeah. Foley potentially. I'm joking. He would.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think he's working on a family farm at the moment. Not sure how much rugby he's got under his belt right now. Um, I think he's doing some rugby coaching. Um, but anyway. So, yeah, look, that's pretty big news from a Wallaby squad point of view. I'm not too sure what we're going to do there. Uh, I think it might just be the case we use what we've got and just, just deal with it. You might actually see Rob Simmons um, taking to the field throughout the rugby championship as a starting walk
0: yeah that that's definitely what's probably going to happen now um we might see one of the japanese place players based players come back sean mcmahon possibly um i don't
1: know we'll see what happens yeah maybe Well, well let's see let's see um do you want to keep us going or do you want me to just run yeah, us through? The news? So,
0: the next one is, this is interesting news. When this came out, I was a little bit confused by it, but Michael Checker has been announced as an advisor for Argentina for the rugby championships. So, when he left rugby Australia at the end of the World Cup last year, he said he vowed that he would never coach against his country. Um, that lasted for
1: what, 11 months, <laughs> 10 <laughs> months,
0: 10 and a half months. And he's, adv- he's been announced as an advisor for the Argentinian rugby union team
1: yeah it's much it's in an advisory role much like eddie jones had with the south african African, team um as well so he yeah he's basically joined up because of his connection with the Pumas coach mario ledesma who um was the forwards coach or the scrums coach for the wallabies at the 2015 world cup and the waratahs yeah and the waratahs so he seems to in an interview he did with um chrissy doran he basically indicated that because of his friendship with ledesma and the fact that the argentinians are making such a sacrifice to be a part of the cha- um, rugby championship he just wanted to help them out and when you also tie into the fact that his advisory his his advisory role at the sydney roosters wrapped up exactly. as well yeah. um i think he was just looking for something else this came up and he thought well they're probably not going to win a game anyway. So yeah, let's give it a go.
0: It's interesting. It's an interesting one. I don't really see it having much of an effect. Um, I I don't think this wallaby side that Dave Rennie's put together, Michael Checker has much Intel on um, or has any way of sort of revealing any dark secrets that might turn the tide against Australia. So I think it'll just be, I think it's all just a show thing really.
1: Yeah, I mean, like he he will bring. I'm sure he has qualities that he'll be bringing to that Argentinian outfit. I just don't think it's going to have a massively detrimental yeah. impact from yeah. um, to it to the Wallabies because it's a completely different setup under Dave Rennie. So there's going to be very little insight right. that he can give beyond exactly. maybe some of the player nuances about tendencies that they might fall back into if pressured or something like that. Yeah, um, but I'm sure their analytics can be doing that anyway. But
0: there's a lot of play. There's a lot of new players in this squad anyway. So yeah, there's yeah. not too many that come through from Checker's team from 2019. Yeah, most uh, of that, that team's
1: playing for London Irish now. So that's yeah. right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, London Australia. Yeah. Um, so that draws us nicely into the last point we want to mention to this week. Uh, the Rugby Championship draw has been released. So um, the dates have been announced. The kickoff times haven't been confirmed yet, but they will be shortly. Um, and this has drawn some big tension from New Zealand who are definitely not happy with what has been announced, not happy with the length of the competition. Um, and from what they're saying is they weren't a- advised or agreed or signed off on any form of this this draw and they're very disappointed It's
1: such a load of poo so basically (laughs) the um sansar released the schedule and new zealand like five minutes later released um a statement saying that they were incredibly disappointed and they hadn't agreed to this schedule and blah 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 and the fact that you have a statement ready to go means that you have been consulted on it but the other three partner nations overruled you and said no, we're doing this. And so it's just another case of New Zealand being um, just really self-seeking as well. And, like there's this excellent quote here from Rob Clark that I really, really... And so, Sorry, the main issue that um, New Zealand have is that the last game is going to be played on, I think it's December 12th. It and is. that means that for the New Zealand players, they're going to miss Christmas with their family because they have to do the two-week isolation or quarantine when they get back into New Zealand because of the quarantine rules. And so they are going to miss Christmas. Now, that is a big deal. That matters, especially if you have a young family. So I, I'm empathetic to the situation. But Check out this quote here from, oh, where did I go? Where did I go? So
0: what What? Um, what I've read on this topic is that when, when the talk was that New Zealand was going to host this competition, they were pushing for six weeks. Australia came to them because of the same situation, said, we're yep. going to be stuck in quarantine at the same time. Can we push this to five weeks? New Zealand said, nope, that's not in our best interests. We're not doing that. Now what has happened in this instance, now that Australia has been announced as the hosts of the tournament, New Zealand came to them and said, we want to reduce it to five weeks. Um, We, because of the quarantine issue, Australia said, yep, that's fair. We agree with that. They took it to Sansa, Argentina, and South Africa knocked it back and said, no, we want as much, we want as much rugby as possible. We want to see out this competition. It's going to be, too much as it is six weeks of international rugby back to back every weekend, we can't possibly make up the time. It's, it's, they're poo-pooed it. Um, Now this is where New Zealand's now having an issue.
1: So yeah. Yeah. Well, Rob Clark, um, the interim CEO has basically said, and this is, I'm going to directly quote from him here on two formal occasions, rugby Australia was supportive of altering the draw so that the rugby championship could be played over five weeks on both occasions. That proposal was rejected which means there was never an agreement to finish a tournament on Saturday, the 5th of December, 2020. So they basically hit back and the, the way it's come out is like you've just said, when it was going to be played in New Zealand, they were happy for it to be a six week competition and stuff, everybody else. But now that it's in Australia and the two week quarantine is going to impact on their players. Now they're wanting it to be condensed down and whether that's the entire truth or not, or whether that's some politicking that's coming out, we're not going to get the full inside story. Um, it just looks really, really bad for New Zealand, and it looks like sore eggs or um, being bad losers after losing a rugby grapes. championship. Yeah, like they just—it looks bad for New Zealand, where they lost a the rugby championship because they couldn't um, organise with the New Zealand government the quarantine arrangements. They were about to lose some Bledazoi games because they couldn't organise with the New Zealand government quarantine arrangements and now they're whinging about the um the length of the competition which they refused to change when it was going to be held in new zealand because they can't agree with the new zealand government about quarantine arrangements now this all just goes to really point at the almost I'm not sure if I'm being overly harsh here cause I'm on a bit of a role, but the <laughs> ineptitude of New Zealand RU, where when Dave Rennie put his foot down and said, no, we are not playing a game with the COVID isolation requirements that you're putting in place. We're not playing a game on the 11th of October. Um, I, we're just simply not doing that. And now the wallabies only have to do three days of isolation um, before they can start training within their bubble. I just think that there is going to be an exemption made for New Zealand. They've just come out and had a little hissy fit when Sanzar went and published what three of the four member nations agreed to, Um, and they're just going to have to go to the government. I mean, essentially, they're crying over
0: spilled milk. It's not going to change. It's It's not been agreed on by everyone. They're just they're just making an issue out of nothing. And now.
1: You go. You go. I was just
0: going to say the other um, from what I I read and, and I can't remember which source said this, but as Rugby Australia has brought another scenario forward for them and said we will allow you to go into quarantine on that last week of the tournament, which so you'll go into isolation and do your isolation in in Sydney or yeah in Sydney because the game, last game today in Um you'll play the game, you'll stay in your bubble, and then you'll fly over to New Zealand. And if the New Zealand government accepts that first week, they would only have to then serve one week of isolation in New Zealand and then they could be released to their families prior to Christmas. So Rugby Australia here is really trying to come up with a a solution to the problem. New Zealand
1: Rugby Union is just being a a sole loser, essentially, and just poo-pooing everything. I completely agree that... um look I've had my rant I was going to say more but I really don't need to go down that path yeah. anymore I think look, with what you're saying f- that's pretty positive um, if Rugby Australia are trying to get that deal done good Keep it I, going. Um,
0: the only thing I really just hope happens is Rugby Australia comes out and smashes them I mean the Wallabies come out and smash them <laughs> in the in, in the home uh, home Bledisloe and home uh, rugby championship that would be awesome but uh that's yeah. probably a little bit yeah. unrealistic now we've got two last quick points to mention uh before we move on to the review so the first point is around daryl gibson so it was announced this week that daryl gibson has been appointed as the assistant coach for fiji now he's been announced amongst an, a few other coaches and in, in quite a, a superstar lineup for fiji going into this uh awesome nations cup in
1: yeah it's pretty exciting um they who else do they have? They've got Simon. I can't remember his last name. Yeah, Louis. Yep. Um, they've well, got.
0: He's, he's there. He's the head of head, head of, of rugby. Fiji. Yeah, head of Fiji, rugby. Head of Fiji, rugby. Fiji rugby.
1: Yeah. Um, they also have um, who is who Who is the ref that you were saying is a part of the team as well? Glenn Jackson is. On yeah, the it's team. pretty fun.
0: Um, where is it?
1: It's pretty exciting. Uh, so regardless, they, they're putting together a pretty good coaching squad. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the team goes. I'm not too sure how much rugby has been played in Fiji or whether the squad for the autumn. Um, what is Autumn Nations Cup or something. Yes, that's um, right. I don't know whether it's going to be made up mostly of international players who are playing over in France and England or whether they're going to have a bunch of homegrown players too. Uh, but either way, they're going to be pretty competitive, especially if Samir Idrata is taking the field. He's absolutely on fire for Bristol bears at the moment. That's
0: right. So um, head coach is Ryan uh, Is Vern Cotter. Yep. Um, Gibson is the assistant coach. Jason Ryan from the crusaders is the force coach. Um, Scott, a scotland richie gray sorry is a breakdown specialist from um scotland and yep. glenn jackson is a former fly half and retired referee uh is in, in some kind of uh consultancy role now they have confirmed that the players that will be available to participate in this tournament will be semi radradra joshua to tu- Leonie nakarawa vilaymi mata and pesili yato as well as Josh Matavisi. So these are some of the biggest players that are making a massive impact over in Europe at the moment. So it's going to be fantastic to see them included in this competition and going toe-to-toe.
1: Exciting. Very exciting. Now, was there another piece of news that you had?
0: There was. I have a question for you, Ando. Ooh. Did you know that South African Super Rugby is playing?
1: Yeah, yeah. They're playing as a part of the Curry Cup, aren't they?
0: No. Super Rugby SA kicked off last this weekend.
1: Oh, did it? Okay.
0: And I only knew this, I only found this out this morning when I opened KO and the highlights were there. Two games this weekend, the Stormers played the Lions and the Sharks played the, I've had a mind Blake. I can't remember who they played.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Mate. Anyway,
0: um, so they've had two games of Super Rugby South Africa and I know nothing about it. I didn't even know it was
1: on. Wow. Okay. Um, well I thought, yeah, I thought, uh... no, it is. They've combined the Curry Cup and the Super Rugby. I swear to you, I'm reading an article right now that's saying that. Um, I watched it this morning. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that the super teams didn't play against each other. All I'm saying is that it overall is a part of a Curry Cup competition as well. Um, yes. But they're I'm, just like the same I, I'm thing. De- I'm definitely right. I'm going to post you it. this link. Anyway, guys, this is great podcasting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, the other thing I wanted to quickly bring in as well, right as we wrap up, um, Rob Clark has signed on for mu- until March of next year so he was only meant to be in a temporary contract he still wants to go sailing on his yacht around the mediterranean um but i think with everything being the way it is currently with trying to sort out Rugby Championship, the um, nature of Super Rugby next year, still trying to get a broadcast deal done. It's basically a month after the expressions of interest had to be in, and we haven't heard a single thing um, for the broadcast deal for 2021. I think they just want some stability at the helm. And so he's continued on, he's continuing on until March, which I'm pretty happy with. He's doing a good job so far. Yeah. Um, i have been pretty pleased with both the actions that he's taken but also the stability that his tenure has brought um mostly because fox sports have stopped being douchebags so yeah it's <laughs> nice. been um i'm pretty happy with that so cool. yeah should we move on
0: definitely let's get into the review
1: all right let's go all right, so we're going to move to the review of the Super Rugby AU season as a whole. Now, the way this is going to work, like we mentioned earlier in the pod, we are going to be splitting this podcast up into two. You obviously have the one that you're listening to now and then our second episode is going to be coming out on Thursday. So this episode will be covering uh, the Force who finished fifth and the Waratahs who finished fourth. That's Thursday. correct. So
0: we're going to do this in the, the, uh, the order that the, Warat- that the Super Rugby AU finished
1: brilliant so fifth all the way up to first and um the pod on thursday will be third second first so rebels reds and brummies that's so great. that's it now we had uh guests who came on for each of the episodes except for the tars and there were particular questions that we asked them mitch what are those questions
0: Yeah. So we've got four questions we asked first was the overall performance or thoughts on the season and give us a score out of 10 for your side. Highlights of the season was the second question. Third question, players who surprised you both good and bad. And then the work ons that you would like to see for 2021 was the fourth
1: question brilliant now as you're saying each one of those i recognize that none of them are questions they are all statements and (laughs) that's the grammatical part of my soul but that's okay um so those are the four topics or subheadings that we chat through with each of our guests so let's jump straight on into it and we have mitch hardy first up for the force let's go all right, ladies and gentlemen, we are continuing with our season review, and now we are here with Mitch Hardy, ex GM of the Force, ex Wallaby, and just an all round Force fan. How are you tonight, Mitch?
2: Yeah, good, thanks, guys. And uh, Mitch, good to be on the show. Looking forward to tonight's Big and Drive episode.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, people are going to be loving it because we've had you'll be the third Mitch on the show.
2: Um, we have Mitch from Queensland,
1: Mitch yeah. Foster, and you yourself as Mitch Hardy. It's going to be fun.
2: Nice. Yeah, yeah. Mitch is all around, mate. It's a very Triple popular M. name now. I like to think I started a trend, but I don't believe it for one second. I think the <laughs> Gordon fought, my Gordon Colts fourth grade coach called his son after me, and that's about as far as I got.
1: Mate, that's pretty good. That's something <laughs> at least. Take that. <laughs> All right, so um, let's just, I'm going to give a quick recap in a very brief manner for the force. Um, so Super Rugby AU this year was the first time the force had been included back into the Super Rugby competition since they were pretty controversially axed back in 2017 by RA as a part of some of the cost-cutting measures that they were supposedly needing to implement. Um, they ended that 2017 2017 season with a really emotional absolute spanking of the waratahs over in perth it was 40 to 11 and i remember just the absolute passion and almost like the the vengeful quality at which the force just unleashed upon the waratahs that night <laughs> um now this season unfortunately did not see that same level of success they went eight to nil or eight losses no wins within super rugby au although they had some really close performances particularly against the rebels uh in both of the matches and in the first game against the reds um, um, they had a lot of late inclusions into the squad. A lot of players that have been a part of a core part of the Western force team. It was a part of global rapid rugby, but I think by and large, my takeaway was that everybody was really pleased and happy to see the return of the force into super rugby AU Mitch Foster. Is that a fair enough kind of broad commentary of people's feelings about the inclusion? Yeah, definitely. I think we've all been um, sort of wondering what
0: was happening over there with, with the force and when it was announced that they were coming back, I think everyone was just really excited to have them back and just to have another another team in the comp. So more Australian rugby teams, the better, in my opinion.
1: Mitch Hardy, um, one of the things I don't actually have listed as a question for you, but what was the general feeling about being, like, invited or asked to come back and be a part of the Super Rugby AU? Was there a little bit of bitterness? Was there a little bit of excitement? Bit of, like, how did, how, what was the feeling over in the
2: West? Well, I think, I think firstly, you got to acknowledge the work that was done around the, the whole inception of the Global Rapid Rugby and how that was gaining some terrific momentum mm. off the back of its inaugural season last year, and then... Building into this year, there was a lot of excitement around um, the next level of global rapid rugby and what that might look like, especially with um, teams like the China Lions. And um, there was the the Bay of Plenty um, organization doing some some work with Chinese rugby union. And being able to put that competition together was a lot of hard work. And there was a lot of momentum there. And people were very excited about seeing how that would evolve. Um and and especially off the back of the victory, the NRC victory from 2019, um, yep. winning that last year, I think there was a there was a lot of local support and the, the rugby community really got behind the team last year during during the NRC, and we saw really good crowds at the Global Rapid Rugby um, games as well, where it wasn't just you know rocking up and watch a game of rugby, it was a, it was a great night out, and and that's what um, everyone was enjoying, and then obviously with COVID hitting and the opportunities to get back involved with super rugby, I think there was a bit of a a split in, you know, obviously that was a sensible option to take because it was, we needed to play rugby and Western Australia to be part of something on a national scale is really important. Um, But also I think there was still a lot of bitterness there amongst the fans and the general WA rugby community as well around how, it was just, you know, the force was just unceremoniously axed yeah. from Australian rugby's plans, and sort of um, had to go their own way. But, but you know, in 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 the end, it was great to see them back. It was uh, fantastic. Um, the opening games that they played, they really showed that they um, were up and about and really competitive, and um, obviously. You know, Matt Hodgson and the the force crew had to go about doing a little bit of recruitment to fill some potential holes there because obviously the level between global rapid rugby and super rugby is, you know, it's a bit of a gap. But um, I think they came out and, you know, if they were able to finish the season and taking away the, the win-loss column, if they were able to finish the season being everyone's second favourite team, I think they'd be pretty happy with that.
1: And I think that's a fair statement. There's a big part of the discussion that Mitch and I have had on the pod over the preceding weeks where we've just been really in, not in awe as such, but really thankful for the sacrifice that the rebels and the force both made in being based away from their fans, their family and their friends for the majority or for the entirety of the competition for the forces in a forces case. And um, do you have any insight into how that was for the players and for the organization? Cause that, that obviously was a massive undertaking to position them away, but also just from an emotional point of view, being away from those support networks.
2: Yeah, well, um, obviously with Heath Tessman being part of our Rugby Rap podcast, we, we yep. got some pretty um, good insights into how, how things were on the road. Um, I think it was really tough for the players, especially towards the back end there. And we we interviewed Tim Sampson a few weeks ago as a bit of an end-of-season rap. And he he was legitimately tired and worn out. He just sounded like he'd just gone through her, You know, he was just a tired man. And, and I guess that's that's probably um, reflective of their last couple of games where they copped a bit of a hiding in the last couple of rounds. But um, he said that they, he couldn't ask for a better bunch of guys. Um, they've got some really good um, leaders within that group. Guys like Marcel Bracke, um is a terrific bloke. He he would have um, galvanized the group together. You've got guys like Jeremy Thrush, obviously Pet Cowan and Kieran Longbottom who, um, you know, have been with the force a long time, them coming back into the team with a lot of that history and, and bringing that force culture. Um, I think it was really tough on the the guys that had uh, small kids and had to be, you know, away from their families initially. If they were able to work something out with the family setup, then that was a a big benefit. And that's where the work of Matt Hodgson, I think, um, needs to be recognized in the work that he was doing behind the scenes to make sure they had access to a gym. They probably, you know, from week to week, they were going to a different uh, accommodation setup. and there was some of the venues that changed during that time as well. So they were basically looking for the best deals where they could still maintain their bubble, get access to a gym, access to a field, and still be able to deliver good quality rugby. So I think when you look at all the challenges that brought, I think they, they did pull together really well as a group. I think that they were a really well-coached team. Um, but you can't underestimate the work that would have had to gone on mm-hmm. behind the scenes about pulling all the logistics together and moving the team around and game days um, plus all the – the weekly training regimes that they had to get through as well.
1: I think on a lighter note, there may well be a book opportunity here for you, Mitch. Uh, That (laughs) could definitely be, (laughs) it could definitely be something that's put into, I'd buy that. I definitely would
2: buy that. But Um, yeah, I mean, like, but as a fan, you watch, you you get an appreciation. you, You might be harsh. Criticising the way the guys perform on a on a Saturday night or a Friday night when you're watching a Super Rugby game, but you've got to put it in context of of the environment that they're in. Yep. And um, you know we're extremely lucky, I think, in in Australia that we had a product in the end to watch. And you know the rugby in general, right across this season, has been terrific to watch. Be able to watch all the different club games online um, for all the different competitions. We had the Super Rugby Aotearoa, Roa, which were terrific games as well. So. Wow, for a rugby fan, you you certainly got your rugby fix um, right across the traditional rugby season this year.
1: Agreed, it's been pretty incredible to see the extent to which, um, with a lot of the mainstream media cost-cutting broadcasting can. Uh, Broadcasting dollars haven't been coming. There's been the filling of that gap by different services like Bar TV, like a bunch of the different pods that have been coming up and doing analysis, like yourselves, um, the Rugby Ruckus. Like there's just people trying to fill that gap. And it's been pretty wonderful to see those different like just independent outlets really coming to the fore here. But why don't we actually jump into the force in the season now as a whole. Um, And I'd love to just stay with you for a second, Mitch Hardy, and ask what was your thoughts about the overall performance of the force? And maybe within that discussion, can you give them a score out of 10?
2: Yeah, right. Okay. So look, I thought the brand of rugby they played in their opening rounds was really positive. I liked the way they were playing. Um, as the competition drew on, I think they got found out in various positions. Um, in particular, the, the the 10 jumper in particular just didn't work for them at all. And I, and I don't think Tim Sampson had a plan B when, when it failed. Mm-hmm. I would have um, probably liked to see a young kid like Nick Juice maybe blooded towards the back end of the competition. Um, there was, you know, I think they had to heavily rely on those last minute signings. And in the end, yeah. that was probably their undoing. If they'd gone with the group or were able to go with the group that they finished NRC with from the get-go, I reckon they would have got a couple of wins in the win column. Um, but they sort of brought in the likes of the Richard Kahuris, the Kyle Goblins, and so forth. And when you're bringing guys that late in the piece, you're always going to have problems with your continuity and, your, and your, um, your combinations as well. So on that sense, I'd probably give them an overall score of um, 5 out of 10, um, given that they didn't get any wins, but played good competitive rugby, but they just ran out of gas in the end. But in saying that, I think they've won over a lot of fans across the country with, yep. and there's a lot of upside for their future as well. And I, and I'll just get a little bit concerned about, um, and we'll probably get to the work ons for 2021 in a moment, but you know, there's, there's probably things in their game that at super rugby level need to be tidied up and bringing in um, guys from overseas is probably not the solution to that.
1: Yeah, didn't we just hear that Rob Carney, um, Irish international, has just signed for the force?
2: Yeah, there's a few There's a few marquee signings starting to dribble in now. So yep. they've done a yep. few re-signings of, of guys, Marcel mm-hmm. Bracky, yeah. Bernard Stander, um, re-signed Kyle Godwin, Kieran Longbottom. So they're, they're starting to fill up the list. Um, and there'll probably be a few guys that they've had to let go in, in that piece of work as well. And Tim Sampson's uh, alluded to that, that there would be some hard conversations that would be had with some of the guys that are both long-term force players, but also new to the fold as well.
1: Well, Mitch Foster, why don't I throw it over to you? Same question. What were your thoughts overall about the season and score out of 10?
0: Yeah, so I was um, I was quite impressed with the way that the Western Force started off the season. Um, over here on our side of the country, we were a little bit unsure what sort of rugby we might get from the team, whether they would be NRC level, sort of thrown together, would they be found out by the super rugby or just yeah, just not able to match it. But we were—we've said this in the past, but we were both really surprised in those first few rounds that they really held it and pushed the Super Rugby teams right through to the full eighty. So I was really—I um, was really impressed with that. I, I definitely agree with what Mitch was saying before about the the last minute signings that came on and sort of were relied upon a lot by the Western Force towards the end of the season. And I think that ultimately became their undoing. There was a few games that we noticed that. Players were making breaks and doing sort of their own thing, going for the um, the chip kick when there was a pass on, or not offloading and taking the tackle, or just little things that weren't sort of a team cohesive approach. It was a little bit of one out performances um, that will come in time. with this team can sort of stay together and keep going, but I was really impressed that they pushed the the um, the rebels so hard in the last round. So they had. I really was hoping that they would pull off a victory at the end there. And um, the fact that they pushed the Rebels all the way through to the 80th minute of that game. And and they actually got quite a, a fair way ahead in that last game as well, considering the fact that they'd been away from home for so long, away from all their family and friends and things was a really good sort of testament to this side that they that they were. So I'm, I'm going with a seven.
1: Seven, generous, yeah. mate. Um, yeah, look, I get it. I get the fact that... Particularly in that last game, you and I, we we obviously wanted the Rebels, uh, the force to win. So the Waratiles got through to the finals. Um, But uh, outside of that, I was just really, really impressed with their overall commitment throughout the season. There were moments of brilliance, like the class of Richard Kahui in some of his little kicks, some of his little passes were just, it showed that he had an experience, which was impressive. But when you're you're needing guys who are, say, 34, 35, 36, so your Kahui's, your... um, Jeremy Thrush as well to be playing a full 80 minutes, then you're running into problems there because that means you just don't have the depth in the squad to be able to match it over the course of a long season. Um, why don't we move through then to the highlight of the season? So Mitch Hardy, was there a particular highlight? Could be a moment, could be a game, could be really anything that you consider to be the highlight.
2: Wow. Well, excuse me. Highlights. Um, well, I think it was the emergence of a couple of the the players that um that people probably wouldn't have picked at the start so Byron Ralston for example yeah. the the young yep. winger who had a really good NRC he he I thought he had a very good front end of super rugby he adjusted really well to that and we saw that with young um, Ram from the Waratahs get yeah, yep. adjust to that next level up and I thought Byron Ralston especially in the first few games did a really great job um Fergus Lee Warner was another one mm-hmm. who for mine was a, a, you know someone who needed to be probably recognized further up the chain with the way he was very workmanlike around the field he, he was always there around the um, the tackle count uh, the carries and the work around the paddock for, for a big six slash lock um, and I think you know when you look at Bernard Stander and the work that he did for that team as well in the breakdown um, those three guys in particular were good news stories for the force I thought um, then you had the emergence of um, a young prop who probably had his super rugby season finished fairly early it was um, young Angus Warner Wagner, sorry, Angus Wagner. Um, I think he's got loads of potential. So I think the positives out of the season was that the force were able to unearth um, some of these young players that have got that, um, well, which will allow Australian rugby, the depth that they're looking for longer term. So I think that's, that's a real positive. And the force have always been able to bring through some players like the guys like the Dickie Hardwicks and the Kyle Goblins and the Dane hallett Petties in the past. The guys that have been there, been through that system. And I think now that there's an opportunity there to bring further players through. Um, match-wise, you know, the, you know, we saw the first um, Golden Point match. That was probably not a highlight for me that much. It was a real disappointment. <laughs> was probably the low light actually because both teams didn't want to lose the game. No one was going for the win and they were yep. just keep playing kick to kick for a good portion of that extra time. So um, that to me was probably the highlight in the sense that it showed that it's not necessary to have a golden point, <laughs> point system in something like Super yeah. Rugby. Yeah. Um, so if, any, if anything highlights anything, it's the need not to go too dramatic with the rule changes and maybe think about it before you implement. I liked, I liked the other rule changes though. I thought that was a highlight of the season bringing in the, uh, the, the goal line dropouts I thought was a good idea. And obviously the 50, yep. 22 kicks as well. I thought that had some merit. So I think um, with the bringing through the talent, the law changes that they did bring in, there was a couple of ones that worked really well, but there was also uh, a couple of highlights there that probably weren't rugby's best moments.
1: I think the um transition or well, the the inclusion of a few players in that kind of train on squad potentially for the Wallabies, that was who was that? That was Fergus Lee, Warner, Stander and Ralston. Cole, Were those Cole, the three Cole uh, Godwin. Yeah.
2: Okay, yeah. And cool. and for me, you know, they should have been like they, they announced them and then didn't put them in the forty four in the end. It was just yeah, yeah. it was almost and that you can't do that. It's just tokenistic. Just, it's messy. I mean they're either in they're either in or they're not. Simple as that. But I yeah. think I think performance needs to be recognised and I appreciate the force for none and eight, but I think those couple of individuals probably deserve to be at least in an environment where they could be rewarded for effort. Exactly. Yeah,
1: I think... Um, I mean, if we had more time, I would be asking who would you take out of the squad to include those because it's one of the rules we try and say if you've got to include, who do you take out? Um, but... <laughs> well, <let's>, mate, <laughs> I've,
2: been, I've been pushing... Me and Mick and the rugby wrap, we've been pushing this possibles, probables things. Yeah. Out. Look, if they... They've got a big enough squad. They could have had a possible probables match coming up next weekend. And those blokes could have been, you know, anything in that game. And then you pick your wallabies after that. Uh, South Africa's Africa's doing it. South Africa's doing it. Yeah. You know, the All Blacks did their North first South thing. Australian rugby, we're missing a trick.
1: Well, I heard that on your pod. And my only... See, I agree with you in that the concept is good. But I was just thinking about the timing. And whether there is actually the time for that to happen before... The First test on what the 11th, which is two weeks from today. Um, so may- maybe there is, maybe there's not. I've never run a rugby team before, so I don't know how long you actually need, but I was just thinking maybe the time frame is a little bit tight for them. Don't
0: know. I mean, yeah. I guess you could also argue that the final series that we saw for Super Rugby AU was a little bit null and void given that the teams that finished one, two, and three finished one, two, and three, so we didn't see any upset <laughs> there. So, I guess. People were giving it merit at the time that it was good to see this, but um, the Brumbies weren't going to get beaten. Um, the Reds were going to always going to beat the Re- the Rebels, so we could have potentially had this possibles versus probables instead of that final.
2: Yeah, and my my conspiracy theory is we only went with it for a top three, so the Waratahs could try and make the three, <laughs> <laughs> and we yeah, still and didn't you know get what? there. <laughs>
1: We definitely need it. Hey, you still it, didn't sorry. like it. <laughs> hey, come on. We had some pretty darn good excuses with us. Hey, we we year. beat the four anyway. <laughs> uh, we'll take whatever wins we can get this year. Thank you. Um, now I just wonder if next next year the season will start earlier so that means we could actually do that possible probables i really like the concept um but anyway i actually kind of want to move on because that's not the focus right. but now <laughs> players <laughs> players who surprised you good or bad now you've already spoken about some of the players who you thought were very very good um yep. were there any players who maybe weren't you weren't so crash hot on i'm hearing maybe John lance when you were talking about number 10 earlier
2: yeah no nah, it wouldn't be in my top 100. <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> okay. Poor old John A. Poor us more. old John
2: yeah. A. He, he just wasn't at that level. Um, and it's as simple as that. And that really hurt the force. Um, um, he was just disappointing. That that was... I expected more from someone who's played at a high level for an extended period of time. But players who did step up, Filippo D'Aganou from the Reds, he was outstanding the whole tournament. Okay, probably didn't have his greatest games in the final, but... Um, that kid has just turned his rugby right around from last year. I mean, his defence was improved. His reading of the game was improved. His work rate off the ball was improved. Um, For me, he was probably one of the the best improvers. And thoroughly, if he gets a gold jersey, no one could begrudge him that he thoroughly deserves it because he's obviously done the work. Um, uh, Obviously, Liam Wright, as a skipper for the Reds, I thought he carried himself really well across the whole tournament. Um, some of the some of the young guys like the Harry Wilsons, they sort of came in and out of the tournament a little bit. They probably weren't as consistent as they could. James O'Connor, I thought, was a real positive from a Reds side of things for the Waratahs. I've already mentioned um, young Ram on the wing was really impressive for me. I tend to not to give too many forwards a rap, but yeah. um, but certainly I thought um, the Waratahs had some potential there. It was just just not able to get that cohesiveness that. Um, I think everyone was looking for from them. Um, So, you know, you're probably going to a pretty narrow list when you're looking at the Tars um, and who might be on that list and who's not. The Brumbies, for mine, Flavia, you know, the the driving mall for them. It was um, Mickey will tell you from our our rugby rep. We give the driving mall a bit of a hard time because that seems to be their go-to thing. Um, and it's a real blight on the game in my view. <laughs> but, but I thought the, um, the Brumbies did pretty well across the year, um, right across the board. I thought their locks in particular, when you look at uh, young Swain, um, having Cade and Neville come back with a little bit of experience was really good. Young Nick Frost um, didn't have a bad tournament when he was given his opportunities. I thought Will Miller in particular was a standout. I yep. thought he was, he was probably one of those guys that went unnoticed across the year mm. um, and he was very good. I've probably already named the Western Force guys that I was big fans with. Fergus Lee Warner, um, young Rolston um, was really good and, and obviously Stander. Um, also, filetti Kuatu who was the hooker early on in the Force. Yep. He sort of went missing yep. at the back in the tournament but he started off really well and he was playing club footy last year. He was nowhere. So, um, that young bloke's probably got a really bright future if they stick with him as well.
1: Yeah, I gave him a shout out on our pod probably about a month ago or something like that. I really liked the way that he was playing with a lot of just abrasiveness, energy. Um, he offered something that we just didn't really see from some of the other hookers within Australian rugby, just a, like an explosive strength and explosive like, energy for about 50, 60 minutes. And I just feel like we're just, we're just lacking in hookers within Australian rugby yeah. at the moment that offer something different. Um, I feel like all of our hookers are basically the same player um, within the first hookers within all the squads. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed him. Um, Mitch, throwing over to you now. Players that surprised you, good or bad? And if you just want to kind of stick to the force a little bit more.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. So, I um, I was really impressed with Stander, which was, um, I think everyone sort of said, a lot. He's he's been mentioned a lot this year. Um, Kahui, as you mentioned earlier as well, and my standout for the for the Force and also just for Super Rugby, AU really was uh, Brian Ralston. I thought he was. I hadn't seen much of him before. Didn't watch too much of the Force in the NRC last year, bits and pieces. But yeah, he really proved that he's at that level, that next level up. Um, again, as Mitch said earlier, it would have been great to see him included in even the extended Wallaby squad, just to be able to get that experience in that environment and learn from it. Um, But unfortunately, it's not to be.
1: Understandable. I think you've targeted all the players that I was going to say anyway. um, I think the player who I'd, I'd just want to see really just work on his kicking over the breaks or the preseason is Ian Pryor. I think he's good on the ground is obviously a key leader, but there were just so many times he's just missing very kickable goals that were just meaning that the force, like they could have won the game, the final match against the rebels if he kicked his penalties. Um, I mean, it's it's similar with John O'Lance
0: as well. He he missed a lot of penalties as well. And a player of his sort of caliber and experience really shouldn't be missing kicks from in front. No one at yeah. this level should be, so...
2: Yeah, I just felt like... Yeah, um, and yeah, there was fundamental errors in particular around kicking in most of the force games that you can easily highlight. I thought Ian Pryor, I think you know, he, if you look at his previous NRCS where he was kicking sort of ninety, ninety-five percent, um, there's no doubt that that travel and potentially a couple of niggling injuries—I mean, he missed a couple of games there—probably yeah. yep. played a played a key role there just to be able to get his continuity. But you're right, I was I was thinking he might have, if he'd had a good Super Rugby, he would have been back in, you know, potentially pushing for a Wallaby spot. But he, he kind of just didn't quite get there in the end, and um, guys like Nick White went past him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, at the start of the season, you would have been really hard pushed to know who is going to be the nines within the Wallaby squad. So there definitely was that opportunity there. But you've had the rise of Tate McDermott, the return of Nick White, who have really just cemented their spots. And yeah, it was just I was just a bit disappointed with Ian Pryor. I still think he's a good player um, and I'm hoping for more from him next year. But if I was to just say one player that I think... oh, Also, Carl Godwin. Um, I I rate him... I, I rate the potential of what he's supposed to offer, but I've just never really seen him. Um, I've never really seen him reach the heights when he got selected for the Wallabies. What like three years ago, three four years ago, four. and
2: yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And I, he just I think he was being played out of that. position. I, I don't think he's a thirteen. I mean, I think Tim Sampson got that fundamentally wrong. That he should have had the centres the other way around. Cole mm-hmm. should have been playing twelve and Kahui at thirteen, um, because. You know, Kyle's, Kyle's a good, strong ball runner, um, got a good distribution. He's got a good kick, but having him out there at 13, I think he just doesn't have that X factor that teams need as a 13. And I don't see him as a 13. Um, I'd much prefer to see him in that 10, 12, sort of 15 utility back role. And then and I go back to Nick Eust. Um, he just didn't get any game time, just really show what he could do. And he had a really, really good NRC, Nick Eust, um, at 12. And he's got a big boot and... He's a tough kid, so and he's got a bright future, but um, we just didn't see enough of him there. Um, probably the other one I missed out and giving a good shout out to was um, Henry Stowers and Tevin Ferris, the other two back rowers. Um, Tevin got an injury, missed a couple of games, but he was he was on the the big improvement ladder as well. And Henry Stowers was another one of those guys that, like Fergus Lee Warner, was always in the um the the carries and the tackles and the, the you know the, the contestable breakdowns and what have you during a game as well. So they were they were a couple of other you know, worthy worthy mentioned guys from the force that had good seasons, I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And I think a lot of the players that we've mentioned as having good seasons are from the forwards. And it was interesting just to note the really the difference in quality between the abrasiveness and doggedness of the forward pack and just the disconnection between the back line. I was looking at the um, I've I've got all the scores from the games in front of me right now as we're chatting and the closest games I had were against the rebels. Um, So 34, 30 in a final game and then 20 to 25 in the um, first game. And it, I was just thinking the, the rebels play a very forward orientated abrasive game. And I just think that the strengths of the force really negated the strengths of the rebels, which is why those games were so close. And I'm looking forward to next season, the force having just the full preseason, hopefully with the full squad known well before like two weeks before the competition kicks (laughs) off. So they can actually have that cohesiveness and connectedness amongst the backline, particularly. So we can see the force take that next step up to where we kind of want them to be because there were so many missed opportunities within this season that was just in a way heartbreaking to see them not take because they put so much effort and passion into participating both within the game, but just within the competition itself that you wanted them to be rewarded, but they weren't. why don't we move on now to the work ons? So, I've just spoken there about my hope for greater continuity within a backline or a full pre-season with a settled backline so you can come into the season strong next time around. Uh, Mitch Hardy, what are some of your work ons for the four squad coming into 2021?
2: Well, a little bit of certainty around what actually is 2021 would be yeah. a very good yep. start from I think the like show, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, you might be able to organise a yep. preseason then uh, if you knew what you're doing. Um, I think they've got to look at. Um, a settled squad. I think you're right there, Ando, um, is that they've got to, they've got to decide on their, their list nice and early and settle into that. Um, they should, in in my view, they shouldn't go too fancy. They shouldn't be looking for too many marquee players because yep. they, it, it, you know, you don't want to throw the, you know, the baby out with the bathwater, as they say, where you've done all this development, you've got these young guys coming through and then you just, oh, no, we need marquee players because that's sexy and we need to go with, a proven, proven product rather than a built product. Yeah. Um, You can't underestimate development. And I think their biggest danger is going down the marquee route. I mean, we don't want to be going back to 2005 um, when the force was establishing itself and going, after have to buy a whole team by, you know, by the time, you know, I left the force in 2012, about a third of the list were all local blokes and we were producing wallabies like the Dickie Hardwicks and so forth. So you, you, got to stick with a formula that's going to both embrace your fans, but also give people who are in the pathway confidence that there's an opportunity for them as well. Um, There's far too many WA players playing elsewhere at the moment where they could be playing for the force. So I'd like to see maybe some of their rookie spots filled with young blokes from the system. And if it's not the WA system, at least the Australian Rugby Pathway system. And then potentially those players being able to work with the more experienced guys, but in in saying that, they've built a really strong culture of, at the force the last couple of years, and they've got to maintain that really good culture they've built. And that's where guys like Marcel Bracky's is a good re-signing, in my view, because he's probably not the greatest player; he probably won't start in a lot of Super Rugby games. But I tell you what, he brings a lot of he brings a lot of um, of that off the field sort of stuff to that group and that organisation with the work that he does. So keep building on your culture. Don't go too marquee, too heavy. Keep the young blokes moving through. And then I think then you've got to have a style of rugby that you're going to play and everyone's going to embrace and and decide on it. And I think they showed that in the first few games and then went away from it as the tournament went on.
1: I think, um, well, we mentioned earlier that Rob Carney has signed for the Western Force and he is fullback. I'm just worried that that's going to immediately just kick out Jack McGregor from that 15 spot, who actually had a pretty strong season as well. Now, I think if I remember correctly, that McGregor's played 10 at schoolboys level as well. So he might be a backup option. And you were mentioning Juiced earlier as well, Mitch, as someone who should be the 10 or could be Phil feeling that 10 position moving forward. I I fully agree. Um, We need the, the force need to be considering that idea of continuity amongst their playing roster and not just parachuting players in. Cause that in some ways may well have been around doing this season. Uh, Mitch Foster over to you work ons 2021.
0: Look, I don't have too many work ons really just sort of points that I'm looking forward to seeing in 2021. Um, I will say definitely agree with what Mitch was saying around um, the marquee plays and things like from the players we've already seen that have been announced that are coming to the Western Force next year, they're already in very key positions in the team. So we've got Tom Robertson coming in. We've got Tavita Kwendrani, um, and Rob Carney as well. Like These are really big players and big positions. And it's going to be interesting. These, this team, to do well next year, is going to need a good off season to get these guys in early and gel, get the culture going and be able to come into a season fully prepared. Because otherwise, we're just going to see... I guess similar to what we saw this year is that there's going to be sort of a team of talent but not gelling together and one out all the time. Um, so, yeah, I think big off-season is going to be really... or pre is going to be really big for, the, for this team. But I'm just really looking forward to having the Western Force back next year and having some rugby back in Perth um, because they're going to have a great crowd there. So you're not going to get... The crowds like we've got in sydney where there's a few <laughs> few thousand fans show up to watch the tars get smashed um it's going to be good <laughs> like it's going to be an atmosphere and they, they've shown through global rapid rugby that they can put on a good performance so I'm, I'm just really looking forward to seeing that like when the wallabies went there last year and played the all blacks and it Optus stadium that was incredible like they packed it out we haven't packed out a stadium over this side for years so I'm just really looking forward to that as well.
1: I think what we saw within the Global Rapid Rugby games that I did catch was you spoke about performance there. And there's two elements. There's like the on-the-field performance, but there's also the full match day experience yeah. element to what Global Rapid Rugby were offering that I was just in such envy of. I was just watching the kind of the almost the um, the showbiz nature of how they were setting up the evening with the with the lights, with the music, with the announcements, just being really active and vocal no, like and encouraging crowd. How to get involved posts, yeah like just stuff like that where i could take my five-year-old to the game or will be six next year can take him along and he may well enjoy a game of rugby attending a game of rugby because of the like the entertainment you always look at 2020 cricket as an example of bringing in a supporter base that wasn't naturally a supporting base of a sport yeah. and I just wonder whether um, super rugby needs to take a leaf out of the forces book with global rapid rugby and say hey what were they doing at their kind of entertainment on uh, game game match day entertainment cool let's do what they were doing because it was a body good idea Idea, and it looked fun to be there.
0: Well, I think yeah, it definitely yeah, I think showed that's that. that's a key, okay, isn't it? Yeah, this year yeah, when you... we went to some of the games ourselves. Um, we went to Waratah's games. We went to some of the away games of the Rebels and, and the Reds playing in Sydney and there was just no atmosphere at all. They didn't just even have dead. like commentators on the sidelines saying when players were coming on and off. It was kind of like you're just watching a, a shoot shield game, essentially. Um, it was just, yeah, it was dead. It was, the crowds weren't big. There was no atmosphere. Just
2: weird. Yeah, I think that's where the you know the engagement with the supporter base really comes into it. I mean, you know, you turn up. There was a pretty good crowd there. Obviously, maximum capacity of six thousand for the Brumbies, and they've worked really hard to re-engage their fans. And the Reds have been trying to do the same to re-engage their fans. And um, you know, and there was a really good open letter from Brad Thorne to the, yep. the community, yeah. rugby community in Queensland during the week. And I think that's that's where these franchises have just got to work so hard and they've mm. really got to do a lot of work there. And we all know that Waratahs, you know, they've, they've lost, they've lost the change rooms as they say. Um, and they've got to rebuild that And because shoot shields alive and well, everyone's talking it up. There seems to be good numbers going to there. Then it's, it's just about converting that yeah, and not, not trying to make it something that it isn't. And, and actually just get people along to enjoy a night at the rugby and enjoy the game. And okay, if it's a crap game, at least they've had a good night out Yeah. Yep. Um. And I think that's the key. And I think that's what the um, the force were able to do with the, the Global Rapid Rugby experience. But it's always been a pretty good crowd over here. I mean, you know, I can't think of any game where it was less than 10,000. And there's been plenty of times where, the you know, it's been, you think you're in a crowd of 40,000. It might be only 12 or 15, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's it's a good fun not out. And it's the, the stadium there is um, boutique. You're not playing in a 40,000, 50,000 seat stadium either. You're playing in something that's boutique twenty. And when it's half full, it's noisy, and everyone, yeah, you, know, you can hear all the hits, and you can hear all the chat on the field, and you're feeling part of it. So, again, they they got to make it something that it that it just isn't, and make it attractive for people to go back to the games.
0: Yeah, I'm really Reed, keen I for think... um the rugby champs going forward at Bankwest Stadium out of Parramatta. That's another sort of boutique stadium that is built really well in that it's um it's quite steep. So even when you're up the top level you're not that far away from the players and it it just the sound reverberates around so even when Mm. there's not a lot of people there it feels like there's a lot um and having the rugby champs double headers as well in a stadium like that it's going to be incredible
1: yeah it's exciting. It's very exciting. Um, looking ahead to next year, I mean, you obviously raise the point, Mitch Hardy, of like what will Super Rugby look like. We have kind of made the assumption it's going to be Super Rugby AU with the same five teams participating. Round two. There's yeah, round two. There's the potential of maybe like a. Um, I've the eight. name for it. Yeah, Super 8, thank you. Um, where the top t- top teams from each competition play off against each other, almost in like a knockout or Champions Cup format. Now, I just wanted to ask, as someone that knows a bit more about the Western side of things than we do, there had been some reports that came out last week or maybe the week before about potentially the force getting involved in the New Zealand competition um, or connections in with the Bay of Plenty. Now, what is that? <laughs> Like, where did that work. come from, and how is is that even a realistic possibility?
2: Well, I, I think, yeah, I think the rumor was there was twofold rumors. There, there was, I think, it was Bay Planning trying to get into Super Rugby ATRR, right. um, was one. So they would become the sixth team in the Super Rugby ATRR to, yep. to round it out there, and they've got obviously the relationship through Global Rapid Rugby through um, the China Lions team, I think it was that they had a um, relationship with, so they were providing players into that team and so forth. And I think they're keen and I think they're ready to take that next step um, when you look at their success and their way they produce players and provide players to other provinces, I suppose. Um, could the Force become the New Zealand team? No, I think that's silly. I yeah. think you know that, that'd be a ba- very much a backward step for rugby in Australia. Um, who could be our sixth team? Well, I mean, depends on what happens with the COVID market, doesn't it? I mean, there's nothing stopping um, maybe one of those global rapid rugby teams from Asia coming in and being the sixth franchise, like a Sun yeah. Bulls type model. Yeah. And they, they come into a bubble and play their home games for a certain stadium. Um, depending on what they can organise, I think that would be a good thing. Um, we've still got the Pacific Islanders um, side of things. You know, we saw the success of Fiji Drew and the NRC
1: yeah.
2: um, this you know, there's still an opportunity, potentially you could you could park the Fijian team in somewhere like a North Queensland base where you can potentially co-partner with the Cowboys at Townsville or something, you know? Yeah,
0: they've got um, a good ground up there now as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, so you, you shouldn't rule that out, and there's a big Fijian community still in Australia, and big Pacific Islander community for that matter, so you could always look at that one as well, but I think um, two, two lots of six teams would be ideal, two rounds, and then yeah potentially a bit of a cross-play thing, but I like the idea of um, starting everyone in club rugby, building into Super Rugby, yeah. yep. finishing in club rugby while the Wallabies go into camp, and then obviously a test match window. I like. I think everyone gets too excited about Wallabies at the moment. We need to focus back on making sure that club rugby is at the forefront, not the other way around. Um, I know everyone wants to see test matches and Blazer Cups and all this stuff, but if we keep going back to there, we're just going to find ourselves in the exact same problem that we got ourselves into now where we've got a just total disenfranchised um, supporter base at all levels. So we need mm. to make sure the focus is on club rugby first and foremost, then build it into the super, then build it into Wallabies. If we get those first two steps right, we're going to have a, a stronger Wallaby team.
1: Yeah,
0: I think yeah, that's a really you important.
1: Do... You go, Mitch.
2: You I say,
0: Mitch. I think that's a really important point. Like at the moment, particularly the Waratahs is they – they do pre-season and they're in a, their Waratah Super Rugby bubble. They play the, the season of Waratahs and then they finish off. And by that point, there's probably three or four rounds left of Super Rugby. The players that don't make the um, the Wallaby squad don't always go back and play Super rug, uh, Shoot Shield. So, shoot Shield. Yep. Yeah, you don't see them crossing over as they used to. It, it, they really need to bring that connection back that the Waratahs are the best players of the Shoot Shield representing the state and the same thing goes for canberra and queensland and melbourne all the all the supersides really should have that link back again start i I, I love what you're saying start off in in shoot shield or in your local comp rise up and prove that you're the you're meant to be playing for your representative side get picked play then go back and help them finish off the season at the end yeah
1: yeah because i think it means you can do both and um i there's the there's an element to which the commercial dollars come from the Wallabies and we need to be realistic about that. But also I think what we've been seeing over the last 10 years is that with the strength and a rising professionalism of rugby globally, the competitive sporting market in Australia means that the Wallabies are not as dominant as they used to be, obviously. And us playing New Zealand, what, four times a year, the best team over the last couple of decades means that we immediately have like three or four losses to start our international season. And there are very few supporters who are going to be happy to pay money to go and see us get spanked by New Zealand again. And I think if we can grow that lower level strength or support for the game, like you were saying, Mitch Hardy of starting in the club, going super going club, and then you get that engagement before the international season begins, then there's, it just changes the dynamic where people aren't inherently just following the wallabies, but they're following rugby. And they care for rugby in whatever form it might take. Um, yep. So,
0: yeah. Or, or they could even follow their players from their club, so yeah, they know. It. Like they follow their Gordon players that go through, like the the Jack Dempsey. He he plays for Gordon. He plays for the Waratahs. He plays for the Wallabies. Like you, you follow him because he plays for Gordon.
2: That's it. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's and that's what young kids have got to see as well. That by going down to the local club, you might see a Wallaby running around for the, the local club team. Yeah. And then when they, they see that guy then running out for Australia um, a couple of weeks later in a Blizzle Cup match, it, they can make that connection. And um, we need to rebuild those role models, especially yeah. for, you know, those ages from sort of that 12 to 17, where it's not all about contracts and scholarships and all the rest of it that goes, all that other BS that goes with it. It's about being part of a club and being part of a game. Yeah. And then you've been part of a community. Exactly.
1: Agreed. Well, uh, gentlemen, I think that that's basically about a wrap uh, for the Western Force. Any final thoughts, Mitch Hardy, you wanted to throw in there?
2: No, I'm, I'm sure that the um, the signings will keep coming over the next bit of time. So, rumour has it they're going to start pre-season towards the end of October. Um, so, the, the Force will get stuck into it. We're cool. going to our club finals in the next couple of weekends yeah. here, so that should be good. Um, and then... Yeah, we're looking forward to the um, the Test match season. We'll be watching Test cricket and Test rugby in the same same season. How good? Living the dream. Between, between the both.
1: Yeah, Mitch Foster, anything you wanted to add on or finish up with?
2: No, I
0: think, yeah, I think we... Um, it was great to have the Force back this year. Um, just, I, I really push
1: for their involvement going forward, so... I'm looking forward to seeing them perform again in 2021. Brilliant. Well, again, I just want to say thank you, Mitch Hardy, for coming on. It's wonderful to have the perspective of somebody who's so well-versed in Western Force uh, team, culture, rugby over there in general. Um, There's nothing worse than having Waratahs fans passing judgment on the Western Force. So I'm glad we could get a homegrown (laughs) fan actually talking about their team. So thank you. Um, Yeah, look, let's call it there. Thank you so much and have a great
2: evening, Mitch. All good, guys. Thanks very much for having me on The Pick and Drive and wish you all the best for the future podcasts. Thank you.
1: All right. We are now moving to the New South Wales Waratahs and considering that fact that both Mitch and I are dyed in the wool Waratahs fans we didn't really see the need to get someone external to come in to tell us how awesome they are so uh (laughs) I'm going to be kind of asking the questions and then passing it over to Mitch but I'm going to start off with just my general thoughts about their season overall so in an overall sense the Waratahs um in some ways went above expectations or beyond expectations insofar as they had some really high quality games. And I think the standout was obviously the demolition of the Reds down in Sydney. Um, We've said it many times, both Mitch and I were at the game, one of the highlights as a Waratahs fan over the last few years. But at the same time, they also let slip some really, really important games, particularly the lead that they had against Canberra, well, against the Brumbies, and there was just at times a lack of composure and experience which shone through which meant that because of the rebels win in a final round of the regular competition they were not able to get into that coveted third spot and make the finals so all in all in some ways they were better than expected but still we would have been hoping for a really positive season to be at least making the finals mitch do you think that's a fair enough summary of the season
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, when we look at the scores, so the first question we had this week is what score I'd give it out of 10. I've actually got two numbers. So it's uh, like as a Waratahs, I've got, I've got two numbers for a reason. So first of all, the number that other other super rugby fans would probably be thinking of the Tars. And I gave a four as from their perspective. So saying that the Waratahs haven't done anything in the last few years, they, don't deserve to be in in, um, in the top three of Super Rugby this year. Other teams are playing better. They finished where they deserved, basically, so they had a pretty av-pav season, which is a four. But for me, as a Waratahs fan, I thought that they performed a lot better than we were expecting. When we did our preview of Super Rugby AU back in the beginning, we said they'd be lucky to string two wins together. Um, they did that. They beat the force twice, so... <laughs> That's the two wins there. Um, But yeah, they they went on to beat the Reds and then they nearly beat the Brumbies and they beat the Rebels. So they did quite well in those games, but then they also let a few slip. So they shouldn't have been touched up so badly by the Rebels at home. Um, They probably should have ground out that win against the Brumbies at home as well. So for me, I think that knocks a few points off, but I'm going with a seven.
1: Yeah, look, I understand that. I mean, they came four and four from the regular eight rounds. So they had the win against the Rebels, winning against the Reds, and then a the two force games as well to give them a four. Uh, they came very close to beating the Brumbies, like I mentioned already. So I think if people were genuinely giving the Tars a four, I think that's just some anti-New South Wales bias coming yeah. into it. I think maybe a five or a six, I could understand, but I'm a bit more upbeat because of the... Just a general progression that we've seen in the team throughout the competition, which is leading me to sit between like six or seven. Um, so I can understand why you're going at that number two.
0: Yeah, but even in saying that, there's still like the the guys that came through, so the under twenties for the super for the um this the, the Waratars stood up and played really well. But there's a number of the key Waratars players who quite experienced who didn't have the best seasons yep. and probably should have done more considering the ex- the experience that they have. So yeah, you could you could sort of say if you look at that part of things that their season wasn't great.
1: What's your highlight of the season for the Waratahs? My one highlight. No, what's a highlight? And then a we'll highlight.
0: Uh, the Reds game.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that too. Um, that one's pretty obvious.
0: Yeah, so I, I've got three highlights for the season: Reds game, Brumbies game, pretty pretty average there because uh, pretty obvious there because we won and played quite well. well obviously sorry the Brumbies game we didn't win but we played a lot better than I was anticipating going into that game and we were Mm -hmm. both at that game as well and we kept saying to each other what's going on well it was the same as that Reds game we just couldn't the performance they were putting in um so they did really well but my highlight overall was the fact just the under 20s came through and performed so well we had a number of players that really stood up um not knowing a lot of them prior to 2020 kicking off um Will Harrison was being talked about as being quite good but he came through and really showed his development through even that break between by coming through and kicking his um,
1: kicking ability just went through the roof. Uh, so yeah, I was really impressed with all that development. And um, yeah, I'd be saying that that's kind of my highlight of the season was just seeing these young players come through. And that actually leads us really well to the players who surprised us, good or bad. And I want to start with some of the positives. So everybody can very easily sing the importance of Will Harrison. He's flashy, great kicker. Um, he grew in confidence as the season progressed and he didn't experience the same level of dip in form that some of the other younger players did. Yeah, exactly. Um, So you look at Harry Wilson up at the reds, like Harry Wilson is a great player, but he was incredible for the first four or five rounds of the competition. But then at the tail end, his impact lessened significantly because he wasn't able to maintain that form. I think Harrison actually had a bit of a dip in the middle of the season, but finished very strongly um, and actually improved in the later games of the season. So I was really impressed with him. The other player that really stood out to me was um, Harry Johnson Holmes and not just (laughs) because he's a favorite of the pod. I actually think he had a very, very strong season. He seemed to have worked on his fitness a lot and just seemed to be more consistent with the, impact that he was having on the game uh his scrummaging i think in general stood up except for that first game against the reds when he got touched up a bit um but yeah i was really happy with harry so i'll throw it over you now who were some of the players that surprised you for the good
0: yeah so harrison as we've said really surprised really good hooper as well just went from amazing to god level (laughs) he just (laughs) he just didn't stop he just did so much just kept going and just always impressed. I was really impressed though with the the front rowers. So Angus Bell and Tom Horton, uh, both players I didn't know too much of coming into 2020, but both did really well and they've been rewarded with um, selection into the Wallabies. So it's going to be really good to see those guys develop. And it was interesting though with, with Angus Bell because I, he started off the season quite well, played the first few rounds really well in Super Rugby AU, but then he kind of got dropped for whatever reason and he didn't play a lot of rugby going into the, the second half of the year
1: hmm i i don't understand that one there must be reasoning behind it i wonder if he had a niggle or wonder if um just because of like he he got touched up in our reds game as well yeah um yeah, as everybody that, knows. and we've said that before that it wasn't really his fault like he was
0: scrummaging against tupo. <laughs> that was harry's fault wasn't it <laughs> that that incident yes that yellow was harry's yeah. fault harry went down but he was packing against tupo and there was a little bit of niggle here and there and repeated penalties and whatnot. But I mean, even if you look at what people are saying that tupo doesn't scrummage legally anyway, all that sort of stuff that he did, he did hold up quite well and he mm. came back and, and didn't really go to pieces. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, now I just want to shift across to the players who really, Oh, actually Rob Simmons played very well this season. He is a very maligned player in Australian rugby. There are people that love to hate him. And I thought that he a bit like Hooper, yeah yeah definitely um in the second half of the season particularly had some standout games where he brought a level of physicality to the game that we hadn't seen in a season or two so i was i was very happy with him um the players who i think weren't particularly uh, who just kind of didn't stand out or i wasn't overly impressed with there's a few there's jack dempsey he mm-hmm. really only had like two or three good games at the end of the season. Yep. Um, he was pretty. He was like absent and missing. It was floating
0: around, wasn't he? In and out of the yeah. game.
1: Yeah, he didn't really seem to. Maybe there was something going on behind the scenes that we just don't don't know, but he was not the. Impactful, hard running, but also the agile player that we know that he can be, and he demonstrated in the last couple of games of the season. Which yeah. I think that lack of consistency is why he missed out on the um, Wallabies. Yep. Um, also, Jed Holloway. What has happened to Jed Holloway? Like <laughs> he was good one or two seasons ago, and now he is just nowhere to be seen. Um, I don't know whether he's injured or anything like that, but he was yeah, just I don't know. the big abrasive back rower that I ho- that I was hoping that we would have that big number eight. Um, Oh, we haven't even mentioned Swinton. Swinton absolutely killed it this year. I should just yeah. quickly say that. Um, and then I will quickly say this before I throw it over to you, Robbie Abel in my mind is we need, we need a new hooker, um, with all the respect for a player who is doing a job that I would never be able to do. Um, I just don't think he is at the quality that we need or would be hoping for if we want to challenge for first or second in the competition next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's been a serviceable hooker, but I don't think he's going to be improving next year. So I think we need somebody else to partner with Horton to be our hookers for 2021. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, going back to your first point around Rob
0: Simmons. So, for me, Rob Simmons kind of sits in a little bit of between, bit of good and bad. He had good games and he did come in and he did show that aggression in a, in a few games, which was really good to see. But the fact is he was captain and he did not lead this side around. The last few games of the season, he was kind of just on autopilot. Um, and for me, that... That just shows that his heart and his head wasn't weren't in it um, for the Waratahs, and he shouldn't have been captain. Um, but also in saying that, like we started off really strong in the Brumbies game, we were killing them in the lineout, and then two or three weeks later, we we just that the lineout threat just went away. Uh, the lineout weapon went away completely. Yeah. Now, if this was his kind of reason for being selected in the Wallabies, and the fact that he can lead the lineout so well, the fact why it went to pieces is is a bit worrying. So. Um, that's what also puts him back in the bad list sign. So overall, I, I would probably say Rob Simmons didn't do enough to impress me this season. Um, but yeah, yep. Uh, I agree completely what you're saying about Robbie Abel. He's he's a journeyman, that's for sure. And for someone who's been and played so much super rugby in so many different clubs, he needs to be playing better. He doesn't really bring a whole lot. He's kind of, he's okay. He's stable. He can scrummage okay. He can... He's, he's throwing in the line-outs, not brilliant, but it, it gets the job done. But when you're comparing him to a player like Tolu Latu that we had last year, he just doesn't even compare. He doesn't bring half yeah. the amount of impact to the game. So um, that's something that we definitely need to look at replacing next year. Um, yeah. I think it's a little bit harsh to say this, but I, I wasn't too impressed with Mitch Short. Um, yeah, yeah, like Gordon agree. got injured in the beginning of the season and Mitch Short had a few games there at number nine. He just... It's something we'll probably talk about in the next part around um, play development, but he definitely to me feels like a, a shoot shield level player. Who's not quite ready to make that step up into super rugby, but he's been forced into it because there's no one else. So for me, I don't think he had a great season. Um, Mark Nwantanidawasi as well as another player yeah, that didn't yeah. really impress. He started off very, very strongly in the season, but then he kind of just felt fell away. Um, that will definitely tie into play development, which we'll talk about shortly. But um, another one as well, again, this there's kind of three players, main players to me that didn't really shine And that. Another one is Taipei Morera, the rugby league convert that we signed. And there was a lot of fanfare at the time of us signing him. He was an Australian schoolboys player. He'd played uh, over 100 um, rugby league games for Parramatta and, and West Tigers or something. He came on and he played one game for the Waratahs and he didn't do much. So again really confused as to why we spent so much money signing a player like that and then not even playing him. But
1: yeah. yeah. And there's, there's been complete radio silence about Moera as well. Like there's been no articles written. There haven't been any commentary or um, references by Rob Penny or the team as to what the deal is. I did
0: see something in the rugby league um, sort of circle saying that he's thinking of going back to league next year
1: Yeah, because he
0: wasn't getting game time.
1: He's done nothing. So I wonder what the reason for it is. There must be a reason. I just don't know what it is. Um, why don't we move to the work-ons for 2021? Because you were touching on that a little bit when yep. you were wanting to chat about player development. So why don't you go with that?
0: Cool. So work-ons for 2021 is definitely play development. This is something that the Waratahs... It's, I would say it's been our Achilles, Healy, Achilles heel for the last 10 years. When you look at teams like the Reds, the Rebels is, uh, is another good example, the Brumbies, they have brought in young players, given them time in their academy over a few years and then blooded them in Super Rugby when they're ready. And they've shown that they're capable of doing it. As we were talking with Nick um, about bringing in Will Miller, he's been playing for the Waratahs for two or three years and been okay, sitting under Michael Hooper, not getting a great deal of game time. Didn't really improve his skills that much. Goes to the Brumbies, starts for them, plays phenomenally. We've had so many players now that uh, that have been playing in the Waratahs sort of structure okay bit average sort of at that super rugby level but not really making the wallabies go off to another team and then all of a sudden a are, are massive like ira simoni is another one yeah just for me this year shows it completely in that those under 20s players that we saw so will harrison angus bell tom horton um those guys were a really um they've got really big talent they're talent players but they haven't been developed by the waratahs They've been developed by the under-20s schoolboy system. The Waratahs have just utilized that. I wouldn't say that um, Will Harrison has improved dramatically this year from playing in the Waratahs system. If you look at a player like Noel Alessio, I'd say that his skill set has improved a lot more than, the War- than Will Harrison did throughout the Super Rugby season. Another example of that is Mark Nwantanidawasi that we mentioned before. He he had a, he came on and he played for the first game of the season. He started at wing for the Waratahs against the Crusaders, got shown out a few times uh, defensively, yep. uh, finished off a really good try. But then a few few seasons, he sort of got dropped to the bench. I think he made one other start in the regular season, and then he sort of just disappeared. They didn't work on him at all. They didn't have any development in his game that, that showed he, he's a skillful player. He has the ability to finish really well. When he started the season, everyone was talking about this guy was going to be the next big thing. He's, he's tall like Izzy Falao. He's good under the high ball. He can finish those amazing tries. He's going to be brilliant. And the fact that he went through the season, got next to no game time and didn't develop, just goes to show that the Waratahs just don't have any idea on what they're
1: doing. Unless unless he's not getting that game time because of the form of James Ram. Because if you remember at the start of the season, Ram's basically nowhere to be seen. And then when Noonga Nituase's form drops after the first couple of games, then Ram comes into the team and absolutely shines. So I wonder if there's two levels. There is that lack of development factor. Um, There are those those issues with his defensive work and... um, I'm not entirely comf- I can't remember how good he was under the high ball, but I know that he was found out defensively a bunch of times. So I just wonder if it's, uh, it's a bit of an unlucky combination for him where he had all those issues, player development isn't strong, but then uh, Ram's form was such that he couldn't crack it back into the squad with Newsom as the vice captain generally being preferred on the other wing.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ram's a different type of player to Marky Mark anyway. Yep. Yep. Uh, Ram has a different skill set that he brings to the wing he's got the ability to make the break, but he doesn't have the finishing ability that Nwana Dewasi has. So yeah, yep. they're two different players, but you could work on both of them and they could interchange depending on who you're playing as an opposition. The yep. fact that we put Mark out in into the academy and then release him to club rugby halfway through the season just meant, just goes to show that they didn't have that development process there.
1: Yep. Yeah. Anyway, let's keep on going. I agree with you. I agree yep. with you on that point. So, so there, well, let's keep on rolling. Do you have a... a Um, work on for 2021 um i was thinking scrum half so i think i agree with you in that mitch short hasn't been inherently bad but he hasn't been incredibly good either Mm -hmm. um i just think he's 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 average like he's kind of like a six out of ten or something like that and i would be even considering someone like joe powell maybe even moving up because You've got Nick White, who is more than likely going to be the starting nine for the majority of 2021.
0: Um, Yeah, but I mean, I would say that Joe Powell played better than Nick White did in the Super Rugby AU final.
1: In the final, yeah. Yeah. But I just... And it's it's an interesting thing. I think um, if White is the one who ends up being the favoured, the starting nine, I don't think Powell at this stage of where his career is at is going to be happy. Yeah, to sit behind him. To sit behind him. Yeah. And we'll be looking for a starting berth. And whilst Jake Gordon has moments of brilliance, I, I'm i not convinced by him. And I think Powell could be an option, but regardless, we just need somebody else. How about um, Ryan Monaghan. Oh, he'd be... Um, how good would <laughs> it be if he... Oh, how good. Um, but... In a more se- on a more serious note, I genuinely just think we need to have uh, an extra backup. So even if it's someone like Isaac Fiennes or Ryan Lonnegan coming up to yeah. challenge for that, um, that bench uh, scrum half yeah, position. Yeah, because be we don't
0: good. we don't have a third scrum half. No, we don't. We've got Jake Gordon, we've got Mitch Short. If Mitch Short's not really thereabouts, Jake Gordon will start. We yeah. don't have anyone to be... A player like Isaac Fiennes or Ryan Lonnegan, as you said, would be... It would be smart. It'd be a smart move by them to come up here and and give it a crack because I, I would say they'd get more game time than they would at the Brumbies.
1: Yep. Um, I think we're also going to be struggling within our forwards. Uh, As you know, we are losing Ryan, uh, not Ryan, we are losing Rob Simmons to London Irish. We're losing Michael Hooper to Japan. We're losing Ned Hannigan, who's going for a one-year deal to Japan. So there are probably three of our best forwards um, who are not going to be in a team next year. And two of them are our most experienced players by a country mile. So so, they, they
0: like they more than half the the caps of the yeah, team
1: yeah yeah correct so with those two gone the experience plummets across the team so i would even be looking to throw some money at isaac rodder and get him come down to the waratahs cuz i don't think back. at this point do you he's think he come back i don't know man i don't know we just need somebody who is a quality proven super rugby lock yep. um, and rodder is is that skelton person? oh Bring how good we skelton, skelton back how Good, but now, he's playing in talks. France, so he won't come back.
0: There is talks that Atoge is looking for an uh, in international, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Now, I actually was listening to the Rugby Rap the other day, and they were talking about how well the force needs some locks and they don't have the financial constraints that the other teams do. that would be awesome. So, imagine Maru Atoge going and playing for the force. Um, I highly doubt that is going to happen. It's like a one in a minute kind of thing.
0: Well, he wanted a 100- hundred. Oh, a million euro or something for a club to go to go and play in France. So yeah. Okay. That's know, not, that's not crazy.
1: Happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not from, anyway, not from down South. No, no, no. So yeah, no, yeah definitely I agree. locks locks. Yep. And um, I think we need another number eight. We will probably need another seven as well. Carlo Tizano will probably get in the 23, but who's somebody else that's going to be pushing for it as well. Um, I yeah, we, we our forwards continue to look weak, and I'm very concerned about that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a few players there that have the potential to stand up, and and hopefully, a big off season will give them time and and uh, the end of this sort of club season experience to be able to be ready for Super Rugby. But yeah, it'd be good to see maybe one or two players in the forward pack get get picked up. Yep. Um, for me, my last work on for 2021 is a captain. So Rob Simmons is gone. Michael Hooper's now taking a sabbatical for a year. He already wasn't the Waratahs captain. Outside of that, I don't know who you'd be putting as captain. There's uh, talks that Michael. Well, there's no confirmation yet whether he's re-signed for next year. Yeah, yeah he's technically off contract. Um, there's been talks and whispers that Jake Gordon might be the man, but geez, I'd, I wouldn't be put, picking him as captain. I don't know who else outside of the squad is sort of ready to be captain of this team.
1: I know like they've had Newsom as VC, but I just like Newsom's not bad. I just don't rate him that highly. Yeah, He he does the basics. He does the basics well and he does everything to a decent level, like a six or a seven out of 10, but he's not a game breaker. Um, And I don't know. I just, I'm sure I'd like the guy if i was chatted with him but yeah, that's nothing, that's very different nothing to seeing him is there but yeah
0: no I don't way. know who no. there's not really anyone that's stepping up as captain
1: No because I'm looking at the list like I that's a massive question Now
0: if we go to um if we do look at this as an experience one of of the more experienced players in the squad for next year you take out Rob Simmons you take out um Carmichael Hunt, because we don't know whether he's going. You take out Damien Fitzpatrick because he's gone. Take out Ned Hannigan. You're left with potentially, I would say, someone who might slip up, Lockie Swinton. Maybe Tom Robinson's gone. Um, (laughs) Otherwise, Harry Johnson Holmes might be the man. Wow. Just because he's one of the more experienced players. Maybe
1: even Jack Dempsey.
0: Yeah, but he was even struggling to get a start at the beginning of the year.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so you're very right. Leadership is going to be an issue next year. I think... Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I hadn't even considered the depth of the loss of experience that was coming. I think I'd been blocking it from my mind. I knew independently that all the players like Robertson, that Hannigan, that Hooper, that um, Simmons were all going. I knew that. But I hadn't considered the overall impact on the squad. That's Mm. massive. Yeah. Um, It may well be that we play, we actually don't play as well next year as we did this year.
0: I don't know. I don't know if I would agree with that. I think that the players that we've blooded this year are in quite key positions and have been performing well enough um, that they're a good foundation to build on for next year. That we, I mean, taking Hooper out's a big loss. But outside of that, I feel like we're quite settled in in the forwards and the backs to be able to maybe bring a few other players in that might spark something um, to go okay, just build that momentum. But um, just back to that point before we move on around captaincy, I think looking at the Waratahs season this year, there was a number of times throughout the season that we didn't perform well because we didn't have clear leadership. So that game against the Brumbies – the Tars were doing well to be in front, but Jack Maddox had a blo- uh, had a, a bad game. He mm. sort of went to pieces. He dropped a ball. He um, he passed it out a few times. He kicked it out on the full number of times. He just looked rattled, and he, it really showed that the, the the leadership of the Waratahs needed to come around him, settle him down, talk to him, and then get him back on track. And that didn't happen, and we ended up losing by a point or two. Um, just in the second half of the season, the Waratahs were. Um, were pushing for that final spot, but they just kind of, they didn't seem to be as cohesively forward as they could have if they had a strong leader that was driving them forward. Um, I went to that last, the last game of the season for the Waratahs against the Rebels and I was sitting behind the in goal. Um, So I was right there when the Waratahs were sort of in their huddles and talking after tries and stuff were scored in halftime and whatnot. And Michael Hooper was doing a lot more talking than Rob Simmons was. I didn't see Rob Simmons address the team once at that game.
1: Yep. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Because I know that when we chatted with Liam Wright, he, as a captain, often would let uh, some of the more senior guys say a word um, instead of him sometimes. I wonder how much that comes into play or whether it is just a lack of vocal leadership from Simmons. Yeah, but I there's a point. Like, Simmons didn't address a team once. That you saw, yeah.
0: That I saw. That I saw.
1: Um yeah. Okay, let's move on, mate. I think people are pretty aware of what we think about the Tars anyway, because we talk about them way too much on the (laughs) podcast. They had some really good quality moments, but also the lack of experience came through in some poor performances throughout the season. In a general sense, we can be happy with the development of some of the younger players and the biggest work on moving forward next year is the replacement for the experience and talent which is being lost for the 2021 season um, combined with how they're going to be developing the players and the team overall throughout that. So I'm pretty nice. happy to be leaving it there.
0: Are you okay with that summary? Definitely. What are you thinking? What Where do you think the Waratahs finish next year?
1: Uh, third, maybe. Third or fourth. Third? Yeah.
0: I think they need to make the playoffs
1: next year. Yeah, I think so. I'd I'd be hoping for that. Um, But yeah, well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to bring us to the end of the pod tonight. So tonight we have had both the Force and the Waratahs, and we're actually going to be having a special midweek pod, which is going to come out on Thursday. And that Thursday pod will cover the remaining three teams. So we're going from fifth all the way up to first. So we'll have the Rebels, we'll have the Reds and the Brumbies coming out to you on Thursday. And our special guests as well. Oh, yeah, and we have special guests for each one of those interviews. So thank you so much to everybody who has come onto the pod and had a good chat with us. Thank you very much to Mitch Hardy for coming on and chatting with The Force tonight. It has been a bucket load of fun and we're mega excited to keep up these connections. And if you think out there in the broad world, you have opinions, insight, commentary, analysis that would be valuable for the pod, please get in touch. We are more than happy to collaborate and have people on and have a good old yarn, so get in touch. Definitely. All right, let's leave it here. Have a great night, everybody. We'll catch you later.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. You can follow us on social media at the following outlets. Follow our Facebook page at Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. Send us a tweet at, at Pick underscore drive rugby. Follow our Instagram at Pick underscore drive underscore rugby. Or send us an email at pickandriverugby at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any questions or feedback you may have, so get in touch. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next week.